Hello, hello, leading women in tech. How the heck are you doing? <laughs> We're now well and truly into August. I'm recording this well ahead of schedule, so I have no idea what the weather is like, despite the fact I love to give you weather updates. And I hope it's been a good summer for you, wherever you are. Now we're coming to a little bit of an end. Certainly in Scotland, um, I'm thinking ahead here because I'm recording this in early July. It's, it's definitely not mid, mid-August. <laughs> um, but typically, middle of August, like it's some of the nicer weather, but September's on the horizon. It definitely cools down. But I know much of the world, August can be really, really hot. So I hope wherever you are, you're doing well. I don't know why I need to give you other updates. It's the Brit in me, but hey, stick with me. <laughs> anyway, on today's podcast, this interview is is a really great one. Um, I'm interviewing the extraordinary Robin McMahon. Now, she's not a woman in tech, but stick with me. I met this lady a couple of weeks ago now, and honestly, the connection we've had has just been amazing. I cannot speak highly enough of this woman. And she's a parenting coach, and I've invited her on to the podcast today talk about her work as a parenting coach because here's the thing she works with ambitious professional women who are struggling with being parents who are struggling with that feeling of I love my kids but I love my job or some I've heard this one from many women who eventually open up about it I love my kids but I do not want to spend any more time with them (laughs) or <laughs> this one is one my mum told me. Um, <laughs> I love my kids, but I hate their friends. She admitted that to me when I was like, I, I think I'd left home. She's like, I hated it when you had friends over. <laughs> um, and there's nothing wrong with any of this. And so I wanted to invite Robin on to chat through how to balance being ambitious, having targets and goals and wanting to change the world as a woman in tech and still be okay as a parent, still show up in the way that you want to and have that balance and not feel guilty. So that's what we're digging into today. But let me tell you a little bit more about Robin first. Robin lives in Canada, although she works with clients all over the world as a parenting coach across Canada, the States, Australia, New Zealand, the UK. And she really helps people find a way to parent and a way to help families who are experiencing some of the same struggles that she faced. And she's going to tell you some of her story. But the thing that really resonated with me was her opening up about the fact that she felt that she loved them. She loves her kids. She did and she does. <laughs> but she was overwhelmed and losing her temper on a regular basis. And the more frustrated she got, the unhappier she felt. And I just had to bring her onto the show to open up this discussion with you all because I think this isn't talked about enough. And as you know, I believe that you have to be a whole human. I coach the whole human. I don't just coach the professional you. And so for you to show up as the extraordinary woman in tech, whether or not I'm your coach, (laughs) I know many of my clients listen to this podcast, but irrespective of that, to show up as an extraordinary woman in tech, you have to show up as extraordinary. And if some part of your life, and in this particular instance, we're talking about your family situation, isn't going the way you want it to, then we need to tackle that one too. So that's why I invited her onto the show. And I just cannot wait to dig into this topic today. 
You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Robin. It's great to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I'm excited with what you're going to share with the listeners today. So I'd love for you to start with telling us all your personal career history story and how you came to work as a parenting coach for ambitious women. Yeah, I consider myself a pretty ambitious woman and uh, had worked uh, in the corporate landscape. I worked for a pretty big uh, international company uh, in marketing. So I worked for McDonald's restaurants for um, for many, many years uh, in marketing. And it was it was a lot. You know, I, I did a lot of things like we worked on the uh, on the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. I had, uh, you know, a massive responsibility there with ticketing and uh, and that sort of thing. And it was it sort of took over my life. And that was after I had my second son. And, uh, and it was at that time in my life that things were really tough with my oldest son. And I, um, I really struggled in my parenting and found that, uh, you know, I actually liked working instead of being with my kids. I liked working more because at least at work, I felt powerful. At least at work, I felt in control and people listened to me at home. Nobody was listening to me. And I was having pretty regular tantrums myself. You know, I would lose it on my kids because I didn't know how to get them to listen. I didn't know how to get the cooperation that I needed from them. And so it led me down a path that was pretty dark. I was really depressed. I shut down. I shut people out of my life because I didn't want anyone to know that, you know, this this part of me where I felt that I was this, you know, sort of in charge person at work that I was felt like I was really failing at home. And it wasn't until and and look, I I, I did a lot of therapy. I did a lot of, you know, we, we had my son assessed and there's, there's a note on my son that I'll, I'll explain in a moment because he does have some extra challenges that we know now. But back then, all I was hearing was it was my fault. And that just, mm. that just led me deeper and deeper and deeper down into a depression until I found the world of peaceful and conscious parenting. It's really intentional parenting, like really being intentional about what you say and what you think and how you respond to your kids, but also understanding brain science and understanding developmental stages. That was also really important to understand what I could expect and what was totally out of alignment with where they were at uh, developmentally. So I found that world and that was amazing. And I, I remember I saw, um, I saw somebody who's a leader in this, uh, in, the, in, in sort of in, in this uh, conscious parenting movement. And I went to a, a workshop of hers. And I remember coming back home and saying to my kids, you guys, 
I am never going to yell again. I am transformed. Like this is a new mummy. And that lasted like five minutes. <laughs> so I got frustrated again. Right. So it, it was really clear to me that I needed to do the work. And the work was that I had to hire a parent coach or I wanted to hire. I didn't have to, but I, I really, the pain was too much. Right. I felt like I was living a lie right? That I, you know, had it all together when I really was struggling. And so it wasn't until I really hired a coach that I learned why I got so upset, why my kids acted the way they did so that I could show up in a way that I was really proud of myself and really felt good about myself as a mom. And I was able to really enjoy them again. So I couldn't deny the, the change and the transformation in myself. And that's really what led me to this work. So I am so excited to to share this with ambitious women, with career-minded parents who, you know, who may struggle to have one foot in the office and the other foot in the playroom, you know, and sort of have that struggle of, you know, where do I draw the line with work? Because I really, really love work. And I really, really love my family. Like, that's tough, right? It's really tough. It's why I wanted you on the show, because yes, we talk about leadership and women in tech and what it means to be an extraordinary woman in tech. But what goes hand in hand with being a woman in tech is the fact that we're women and many of us still have children. I don't have children, but many of my clients do. And the world still views women as the primary caregiver. Their burden does fall on us more, whether it actually is kids or anything else. And I just... I felt like this is a conversation that this audience needs to hear. Yeah. We need to know it's okay. As as you found, there's nothing wrong with realizing you love to be working more. I have a number of clients who have kids who have said, hands down to me, they love their children, but they don't love parenting. They don't love being uh-huh. around them. They could never be a stay-at-home mom. I also, I remember when I started out my journey of like working with women in tech and changing the world through helping women thrive in their careers, I had a number of people come up to me and say, I don't agree with what you're doing because I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, applause for you. That is amazing. What I want actually for every single woman is for us to be able to do what we love, whether that is being a full-time mom whether it's being a, an amazing professional or something in between. So I'm so excited. I had, to, I had to say all that because I'm just so excited. I've got you on the show. and I love it. Um, I think the audience is going to be like, why is she here? But hopefully you now have a nugget, listeners, as to what this woman is going to bring to today's show. So let's kick off. You talked about brain science there. And one of the topics I really want to dig into with you is the synergy between this conscious parenting and actually stepping up as a leader because there is a synergy. So tell us a little bit about what it means in terms of brain science as a parent. And if you have any insights on the leadership side of that, that would be amazing too. Yeah, I think it go, really goes hand in hand because part of what you're doing as a conscious parent or an intentional parent is you are leveling up your emotional intelligence, right? And so that means that you are not encountering behavior that you don't like, judging it and uh, shaming it or punishing it. You're saying, whoa, you must be feeling something. That's what's causing that behavior, 
So that's really at the root of what um, of what we do as parents, as, uh, as conscious parents, is to find out what's driving the behavior first, right? Because you know as well as I do that when when you're really when you're in a really reactive state, it's because you're feeling something, mm. right? Maybe you've taken something the wrong way. Maybe you've told yourself a story about something that's happening. Whatever it is, right? There is something beneath that behavior that's driving it, and so the way that brain science comes into this is that we need to understand how our kids' brains grow and evolve. And so I use the hand-brain model with uh, that Dr. Dan Siegel has sort of designed this, developed this, and you use your hand and you put your, you, you make a fist and you tuck your thumb under your four fingers. And what, what you can do is you can see that your, your wrist and the palm of your hand, that represents the, the brain stem and the cerebellum. So if you look at that, that is where babies are born. That part of the brain is all survival. We talk about that as the basic brain, the lizard brain. Uh, and what that is, is breathing, circulation, it's hunger, and it's also fight, flight, and freeze. We'll talk about that in a minute. Then you go up and you go inside and that thumb of yours that's tucked into your hand, that's actually your amygdala. And that is where you house emotion. Right. There's a lot more than that, but for the purposes of this discussion, we'll just talk about it emotionally. And that's actually where your kids live until they're seven years old. Because when you put your fingers back down and you cover your thumb up, that is your prefrontal cortex. That comes online around the age of seven, but doesn't fully develop until around the age of 25 to 30. Boys take a little bit longer, which means that this prefrontal cortex that is responsible for reasoning, rational thought, problem solving, impulse control, empathy, compassion, all of the good stuff, they don't have full control over that until they're in their 20s. So when you have a young child and they have a meltdown, right, or they cry over the wrong cup that has a, that you know, the wrong cup or a fork that they didn't <laughs> want or whatever it is that you think is stupid, you just have to understand that they can't understand what they're feeling. They don't know how to deal with it and they can't articulate it. So we are so lucky that we have this pressure valve, which is a meltdown. And as parents, we just want to stop it. And I get it. I totally get that. We want to stop it and we want to control it. But actually, when you do the opposite, that's exactly what it is that you need to do. You need to say, oh, love, of course, that's upsetting. Let me go get you a different fork right now. That is you know, of course you need a new fork or of course you need to cry. That is, up th you're frustrated, right? So the emotional intelligence piece, intelligence piece is validating emotion. So we need to name that emotion for our child, right? Because they don't know that what they're feeling is frustration or fear, right? Or sadness necessarily, right? We have to teach them that. And let's be honest, as adults, we haven't necessarily been raised with a full vocabulary of feelings and needs. And we have, at least up until this point, really raised boys and girls a little bit differently. Boys, we kind of give them mad, sad, and glad. Girls, we give them a cornucopia of words. You've got butterflies in your tummy? You know, are you feeling, you know, worried or scared? At some point, we stop saying that to boys, right? And so in this male-dominated world that we're talking about, we have a lot of men that by no fault of their own, really, 
are un- emotionally unintelligent. Yes. So we want to raise our kids and our boys, and I have two boys who are in their teens now. We want to raise them with a strong emotional intelligence so that they can relate to the others and, and not feel shame or feel less than or feel weak because they can name their emotions, right? It's actually a superpower. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It just There's so much synergy here between the leadership piece. I know we're here to talk about the parenting piece, but the leadership piece and that and the fact that, I mean, I've seen time and time again, on average, women are better leaders because they have that emotional intelligence piece. And it does, it's, it's the cultural conditioning. This is one of the ways that cultural conditioning has actually helped us as women, although we're only just realizing that emotional intelligence is a good thing in the workplace. Right. But it, it you know, it's why people are like, oh my gosh, like women are better leaders. It's very complicated. I don't like those big generalisms, but there is a place for that. And more to the point, if you can do this with your kids, we've all seen... Male or female, by the way. (laughs) But we've all seen the tantrum in the workplace. And I wrote down validating the emotion. One of the things I do as a leadership coach is I help my clients understand how to validate the emotions of their colleagues, of their team, and give and do it with ourselves as well. We have to not shy away from naming the emotion, accept what's going on, accept how you feel, and you process it quicker. It doesn't stop just because you've gone past 10 years old. Exactly. I think it's beautiful that you're doing it at that age. And here's an interesting question for you. Uh, If we do this with this next generation, if we allow them to have that vocabulary and the expectation of facing the emotions, processing rather than pushing away, which is a lot of the conditioning I undo is stop the push away, bring it up here, face it, deal with it, and then you can move on. If we break that cycle, how is that going to change the workplace in 20 years time? Oh, you know, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that question from my perspective as, uh, you know, from my, from my, from my experience in my career, you know, um, I am a pretty level-headed person, but I also like to have fun. You know, I can be silly. I like to, you know, joke around a little bit and whatever. And I, and I remember being told that I was dramatic. I am not dramatic. I don't buy into gossip and stuff like that. But just the fact that I was a little bit, you know, more um, lively, if you will. Um, yeah, I've had that, that too. Was seen as, <laughs> yeah, that was seen as dramatic. And now I can just lean into that in the, in the work that I do now because I am just who I am. And that feels really good. And so I think that what you know, I, I think, I think there's something to be said there. I also think that, you know, I, I remember saying, well, look, I really feel like this project is, you know, not gonna, not, not good for it, whatever. And it was like, well, don't use the word feel. And, and I, and I agree to a certain degree, right? We want to lead with facts. We don't want to lead with emotion. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have to recognize that we are human beings first, mm-hmm. right? We're not robots. We are all different. And if we can embrace people's differences and how they show up to do the job, isn't it more important that they can do the job versus how they do it, right? And the more that we can relate to other people, that's really what we're talking about with emotional intelligence to be like, huh, I wonder why he or she is like that. Right. I, I'm, I wonder why. And and we were sort of talking before and I, I said, look, you know what, with people who are emotionally unintelligent, you know, I have worked with people who are brilliant, 
but they're kind of dicks. <laughs> right? Like you, they're, they're not they're nice people. Quite, they're quite prevalent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and and it doesn't matter how smart you are, is really what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Because you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you can't relate to people, if you have your own tantrums, like you just said, if you don't understand what you're feeling or you can't pick up on subtle cues from somebody else, no one's going to want to hire you. Nobody's going to want to be on your team. You're not going to be promoted like other people are, right? We need to have a balance. We really do. And I do see a shift happening with men and with women. Yeah, I just, that's so, so huge, I think. I And I see time and time again, the people who are thriving are the ones who have embraced this emotional intelligence. Just as a little bit of a, a tangent, and then we'll come back to the core topic. Um, your point there, I was saying, I feel that, I've had that pointed out to me as well. And as a coach, I've now obviously done a lot of work around personality types. The interesting thing is, this drove me nuts, because I used to say, I feel. Other people would be like, you have to use, I think. Uh, my husband is an I think kind of guy that is entirely down to our personality types, right? And there's no right or wrong. It's whether, in in Myers-Briggs language, it's whether uh, we are a F or we're um, a T, I think. Yes, T and F. I can never quite remember. What are those? (laughs) It's the the think and feel. The interesting thing is, this is what drove me nuts when I used to be criticized for it, which is why I wanted to point it out. The people who say, I think, it's still an opinion, they're not backing it up with facts. You listen to what they say. And actually, a lot of the time, they're not backing up with facts. One of the things I do as an executive coach is let's talk about how to back it up. Like, what is the evidence you need to bring to the table to get people on board? It is not changing your language. I can guarantee it. <laughs> but that, that is brilliant. That's what so many of them are doing. And it, it drives me nuts. Anyway, bit of a segue but worth mentioning because it is just personality type. That's the only difference between that think and feel word. Wish I knew that then. <laughs> I know, right? The things I've learned as a coach, I'm like, holy heck, I wish I'd known that 10 years ago. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to things because I really want to talk about, you know, if you are a woman in tech listening to this show who has a couple of kiddos or more at home and you're feeling overwhelmed, maybe you're feeling guilty, I want to pick Robin's brain on how to manage that. Like, how can we, how can we deal with wanting to be a mom, wanting mm-hmm. to be a great mom, but also knowing that the thing that we need to do, the thing in our soul is our tech job or whatever job you are doing, right? <laughs> how do you help the people you work with to kind of balance those emotions? Yeah, I think there there are a few things that we need to do, right? I think that we really need to have some boundaries first and foremost, right? How do we want work to look? How do we want home to look? And let's draw some clear boundaries between the two. Uh, and by that, I mean, if I'm going to say that I'm stopping my work, of course, this is a discussion with your with your boss, but I'm going to stop my work at 4.30 every single day, then you need to hold that boundary. Because you, because if you're going to just sneak in to check emails here or there or whatever, then you're never fully leaving it behind. Yeah. And also you're showing the people that you work with that it's okay to, that you're, it's okay to message you. It's okay. You're going to respond that you're on all the time. It's okay to say, I am going to be with my family. And there aren't very many companies out there that 
would outwardly say that they are not pro-family, right? <laughs> not publicly, anyway. <laughs> right? Exactly. So so I, I, I'm saying we need to push back. There's also Parkinson's law. Do you know Parkinson's law? No. Where it is the, the amount of time that you need to complete a task oh. varies on how much time you give it. So if yes, you have okay. a project, right? If you have a project due and you give yourself two weeks, it's going to take two weeks. If you give yourself 10 days, it'll take 10 days. If you give yourself, you know, an hour, it'll take an hour, right? So that means that as 4.30 creeps up, you are, you're like, oh, okay, I got to really focus. I got to get stuff done so that I can be free at 4.30. Then when you have set that boundary, then I really think it's important to create a moment of transition between work and your family, because there's a lot of stuff going on at work. Maybe you didn't have a great day. Maybe, you know, you're frustrated with something. Maybe you have a client that, you know, wasn't kind to you or whatever. You've got to be really intentional about not bringing that to your family. And I'll tell you, I did that many, many times. My boss would upset me. I'd take it out on my kids, not meaning to, but it's just that I was already agitated, right? So if you can take a moment and just check in with yourself, how am I feeling right now? You know, what do I need right now if I am feeling really agitated or activated or angry, frustrated, you know, mm. hurt, right? What, what am I feeling? And then, you know, do I need to just have a quick, you know, walk around the block? Do I need to scream into a pillow? Do I need to punch a pillow? Like what, a, like some sort of a soothing technique. And, you know, we always say breathe, right? The, the reality is, is that there is a connection between your lungs and your brain that says, when I am breathing deeply and slowly, I'm safe, right? That's your survival brain, right? And so we don't want to be parenting from fight, flight, or freeze, right? Because that's our caveman brain. That is our lower, as like, that's our low brain. That's our caveman brain, our lizard brain. So we want to be able to be in our higher brain, right? That prefrontal cortex. So take a minute to transition and then set an intention. Because when you set an intention, like I am not going to let work upset me, or I'm going to listen more and talk less, or I am going to be as, as present as possible with my kids, you know, uh, whatever that is. And, and being present with your kids doesn't have to be the entire time, right? It's quality over quantity. Uh, and then if you can show up to with your kids with sort of clean energy, because our stress is contagious. And if we come to our home stressed, everything is going to upset us, right? And our kids will act differently because they feel it, right? If you go into a room and there's two people sitting together, you know immediately if they've just been fighting, right? That energy is palpable. So really taking a minute to transition into that. And then there's a couple things that I want to say that are sort of general. And that is that we need to drop the idea that this needs to look perfect, right? You may be a high achieving executive and home is a totally different situation. You are raising human beings who are different, who are there really to challenge you, who are there to show you the places in your life and in where you can change and grow as a human. That's really what they're there for. So it makes sense that it is going to look messy sometimes, right? And that's okay. Everybody's family is messy. Everybody's family. And I can tell you that without a shadow of a doubt because <laughs> I talk to parents all day, every day. 
The other thing is, it's okay to ask for help. Please ask for help. Asking for help is not weakness, it's strength. When you say, you know what, I do need some help for my kids. I do need somebody to come once a week so that I can have a date night with my husband. Or I need someone to come once a week because I need to go and go shopping or have coffee with friends or go to the gym or whatever it is. That's okay. You have to take care of yourself first because if you don't, your entire family will suffer. And for the most part, mamas, we are responsible for the energy in our home, for the tone in our home. Yes. I've I've seen that one so much. It's just listening to you talk, you know, having that moment to reset between work and home. It's fascinating that you say that because I have a number of clients after working with me have been, have said to me that actually the biggest takeaway, they might've got a 50K pay rise. They might've got this big promotion, but the biggest takeaway is the improvement of relationships at home because part of the work we do is on executive presence. And a big part of that, as far as I'm concerned, is learning how to not take your emotions from one thing to another. Because as you say, you walk into a room, you can tell what's Mm -hmm. been happening. And as an executive, you can't afford to do that. That doesn't stop at the meeting room door. I say to people, you don't want to be bringing your emotions about your kids to work and you don't want to be bringing your emotions about your work to your kids. 100%. And we need a toolkit to deal with that. Like I just, if you're listening to this, you might be like, yes, I know, but tell me how. (laughs) That's that's a longer conversation. Um, It is possible because you do have to develop that toolkit. But it's fascinating listening to you say all of this stuff as I am not a mom. I have the most extraordinary niece and nephew and that's as close as I'm going to get. But just, it's so interesting because these are so synergistic the same tools make us extraordinary leaders as it's make us great parents. And we shouldn't be afraid of using that toolkit in every aspect of our life. Well, and if I can offer one tool, Mm. that really is to validate your own emotions. To say, yes, hold on, what am I feeling right now? Like, I, I am not feeling happy, but I don't know what I'm feeling. So to just take a minute, okay, what am I feeling? And then actually, if you can say, you know what, I'm just scared. I'm just hurt. I'm sad. What happens in the brain is that the left side of our brain releases soothing neurotransmitters to the part of our brain that's activated, which is the amygdala. It's called name it to tame it. So if you can do that before you go into a a boardroom or before you go into (laughs) your playroom, that will help too. Oh, that's such a such a good one. I I, do, I use that one from the point of shame a lot because I think a lot of the time we push shame away. But yeah, using that for every single emotion, such a great piece of advice. I'm going to write that one down. Um, let's talk a little bit about how we tackle having two highly ambitious people in a couple yeah. with some kiddos and all of the stuff that comes with that. I'm guessing that you've seen this. And I think a lot of the time we feel that we can't have it all. And I will say to women, you can have it all. There's a few caveats, which I think we'll dig into. But I'd love to know your thoughts on having an ambitious couple with some kiddos. I keep saying kiddos, children. <laughs> I <see that laughs> to mean, they're all kiddos. They're cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at a distance. And then the screaming starts and maybe they're not. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> but 
yeah, like how how do we reconcile that? Can we be ambitious and still be great parents? I mean, of course, yes. And on the flip side, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to stay home with your kids too. You know, you mentioned that at the at the start of this episode and you know, I almost think it's harder to stay home with your kids. I really do. So for I all those stay-at-home moms that are doing that, I think that is the hardest work. And, and I think that we've got to we've got to be really clear about why we're having kids in the first place, right? Uh, because just saying, "Well, I'm going to have a child now," we've got to really be intentional about it too, right? And so, let's say you haven't been intentional. Okay, then you and your husband, you and your partner, need to sort of reconvene and say, "Okay." We need to put some values in place for ourselves and and where are we going to, you know, where are we going to have boundaries, right? Values and boundaries are really big, right? So, um, you know, you know, and, and also what are you going to do? What am I going to do? I think we have to communicate, right? Instead of just assuming that, well, mom is going to do everything or dad is going to do everything, mm-hmm. right? The other thing is, you know, yes, you can have it all. But I don't know that you can necessarily have it all at the same time without losing yourself. So I I also don't think there's anything wrong with slowing down the ambition for maybe a year or two, right? While you are nurturing your kids, right? Because not because you can't do it, but because the added stress and pressure of a bigger job, higher pay, all of that stuff will take its toll on you. And it's harder to leave that separate from home. Yeah. So, you know, I I can say that in my career, I really, when my kids were really little, I was happy at the job level that I was at. I didn't want any more than that. And it was sort of hard for me to sort of say that at that time too, because I didn't, I always wanted bigger, more, you know, more money, more recognition, more, you know, bigger, better title. But I had to just lean into that for a little bit because I chose to have kids. And so you've got choices, right? And it doesn't mean that later on you can't have that that big that yeah. big promotion, right? I think that's okay too. I love that explanation because like I deliberately asked that question about, you know, having it all because I know it triggers a lot of us. But the fascinating thing to me about having it all is why do we have that conversation about parenting? Because actually the same thing applies. Your attitude, your response there of basically be patient. You can have it all, but in the right order at the right time. That applies to every aspect of our lives. When you're in college, you're not in the C-suite at the same time. So why yeah. do we have this expectation of society that having it all means right now when it comes to kids and professional success? It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and so I love that you said that, like, I can have it all. And I think we have to acknowledge that because otherwise we feel trapped. I've seen this with clients who have, they've come to work with me feeling trapped in their work because they've got kids, they can't move, they don't have the time, whatever it is. And they're angry. They're angry inside because they just feel so stuck and they're blaming everything else. And as soon as they acknowledge, okay, it's okay to be here right now, actually things become lighter and very quickly things become unstuck. As long as we sit in that place, if I can't have it all, I've sacrificed everything to be here with this situation. 
whether it's kids or something else, you are going to stay stuck, my love, if you're listening to this podcast. Accepting where you are right now is an act of love to yourself, your family, your life, and it will get you unstuck faster. So I love that we've had that particular conversation because that's just one that (laughs) we need to be talking more about as women. Absolutely. And acceptance is everything. Acceptance is everything. It's surrendering to what is not what you wish it was. And when you're saying, well, I've sacrificed, I've sacrificed, I've sacrificed. Well, hang on. You know, you made a choice, actually, right? You made a choice and you made a choice to enter the world of parenting, which is a beautiful choice to make. And you also have to recognize that that in and of itself is a full-time job. So when you, when you equate, you know, full-time, you know, university to also having a C-suite job, you're absolutely right. Right. And I would argue that parenting, if I can be so bold, is the most important job we do. (laughs) And it's the job that we do without, without any training. Yes. You know, when you talk about how long did you, were you in university for the career that you're in? You know, the tech industry, you have lots of schooling to do, continuous learning, parenting. We usually just get ready for the birth, right? The pregnancy yep. and the birth. And then it's like, oh, they're so sweet and so cute. And then around two is when I get the calls. <laughs> Why it's, is my kid not listening? What, what is happening, yeah. right? It's interesting you say that. I mean, there are lots of reasons why I don't have kids that I won't go into. But I will admit, like in my 20s, before I made the decision, but in my 20s, one of the things was, I don't know enough. You know, I have a PhD. I love my education. And I'm like, Raising a child is the hardest thing humans do and they don't teach it. (laughs) I'm screwed. It was definitely in my head. Yeah. It's it's, it's hard. It's a toughie, definitely. I mean, I see it's from the other side. Yeah. And and it's been considered women's work, right? Yeah. And there are so many things that we do as women that are never taught. And when we have a hard time with it, we feel shame because we should know. Well, why should we know? organization, for example, organizing a home. We should know that how, right? Mm -hmm. We don't buy a shelf without instructions, but here's a child, here's a family, (laughs) here's a home, right? Yeah. And, and it also, you know, historically, the reason why we're here the way we are is it wasn't until the second world war where women had to go to work and then the men came back and we stayed at work and we started raising our kids yeah. because it wasn't like that before, right? So, I mean, it's just, you know, the evolution of the family, the evolution of the women of, of women in the workforce. Um, you know, we have to look at things like that too to really understand why we're here, right? Yeah. I want to circle back a little bit because obviously I asked you about two ambitious parents and I realized we're doing a disservice there. We're not addressing the fact that there are many single moms as well. Okay. So what about if you are a single mom listening to the show and you're thinking, well, that's all good and well when the parenting can be shared and we can have that red line discussion. I'm on my own. Is there any top level advice you would give to those women? First, my hat is off to you. What you are doing now it takes Herculean effort. It is so hard. So I want to acknowledge that that's really hard. And it just means you need more help, you know, and it's okay to get help. So, so, you know, if you want to look at your life and see the areas of your life where you can sort of farm those, 
tasks out, you know, groceries, buy them online or, you know, bring someone to clean your house, right? Um, have a nanny. And, and look, I'm, I'm assuming most people who are, who are listening to this can afford that if they're in these high level jobs or, you know, um, have a good salary. You've got to ask for help. You've got to find a way to get some help because you cannot do it on your own. And to live a life of overwhelm is doing yourself a disservice and your child a disservice as, as well. And that's why I said earlier that taking care of yourself is number one. It's number one in managing your anger yes, with your family, right? And when we keep pushing things down, eventually it explodes like a volcano all over our family. And that's not fair, right? So you've got to recognize that you have to take care of yourself. And this whole mom guilt thing is what I think starts to infiltrate our consciousness. And we've got to be really, really careful to push that away because you are doing the best you can. And, you know, you also have to look at like, what is, what is good enough look like for you? Sometimes good enough is okay. I, I actually would say good enough is quite often extraordinary I mean obviously the parent is like but um just as a another little anecdote if you're listening to this and thinking everything is suffering I'm sure you're doing a great job with the kids by the way the very fact that you care that much tells us something exactly so also when I started all my work with women in tech and trying to get more women into technology and and talking about that on stage I had so many men come up to me and say, I love hiring new mothers because they're the most productive part of the workforce. Interesting. <laughs> because you know what? You get your shit together <laughs> like because you yeah. have no other choice, which is why it drives me nuts when I have people who don't hire women and who don't hire moms. Because, yeah, a lot of the time, if you are doing a good job right now, like if you are, I suppose... If you're surviving right now, and I hope you feel it better than just surviving, but a lot of the time you are actually outperforming your colleagues in many respects because you're having to, you've had to get super, super polished. You have to figure out how to get stuff done in a very short amount of time. Whereas as you said at the beginning, like if you give yourself two weeks, it's going to take two weeks. As a mom, you've got 30 minutes, get it done, get home, get the kids, you <laughs> You figure out yeah. what really matters. And I think we need to be talking about that one more. This has been amazing. So I want to wrap up with a leadership mindset moment. At the end of every episode, I love to give listeners a simple mindset tip to help them adjust how they act or think on the topic of today's podcast. And I'd love for you to offer one highly actionable mindset shift that listeners can make on being a more conscious parent or, you know, how we show up as a parent and an ambitious woman in tech. Okay, it's pretty simple. Go easy on yourself. Go easy on yourself and notice the story you're telling yourself, right? If you are saying things like, well, I'm sacrificing this. I'm, just, I'm doing this or my kids are so ungrateful. They don't know how hard I work, right? Okay, hang on, right? The story that you're telling yourself is powerful. Words have power and, and also Thoughts are not facts, right? And so sometimes we buy into this story that we're telling ourselves, not really realizing it's a story. We think it's factual. But what happens in the brain is our brain goes in search of proving that to be true for you. And so then that's all you can see, right? So if you're saying, well, I'm sacrificing this, you will notice, 
oh, there's a sacrifice. Oh, there's another sacrifice. Oh, there's another sacrifice. Deepening that belief, which is actually a neural pathway in your brain. But here's the thing. Our brains can grow and change at any time. And that's what neuroplasticity is. So we can actually change those thoughts and create a brand new narrative, a brand new internal dialogue that is so much more empowering, right? Instead of saying, you know, I'm sacrificing this, what if you were to say, I'm choosing this, I've chosen this, I embrace this, I am accepting this. You know, that's powerful, it's powerful and will change what you see, right? Because what you focus on grows. That's what I would say. 100%. I, I I love that. Every single bit of that. I mean, it applies to way more than just parenting, but just it, it speaks to everything I think that we need to be doing as women. Mm. Like, let's, let's choose how we think. Yeah. I, this has been simply extraordinary, Robin. How can people find out more about you, stay in touch with you or anything else? Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me. This has been a wonderful discussion. I really appreciate it. And so, you know, we didn't really dive into like strategies and real tools. We sort of talked on a high level and more mindset stuff, but there are actual tools to get your kids to listen. There are actual things that you can do to be less angry. And so uh, you can you can listen to my podcast where I talk about that, where I talk to leading experts in this area. Uh, and so my podcast is called Parenting Our Future. And uh, I also have a book called The Yelling Cure. So you can go to yellingcurebook.com. And so, and, and, and so with, uh, sorry, back to my podcast for a second. With my podcast, I also have the parent toolbox. So it's a site where you can get tons of different tools for your parenting for lots of different areas of your parenting from the addicted child to social media safety to, getting your kids to listen the first time to understanding meltdowns, a bunch of different things. And you go to parent-toolbox.com. And that is my companion site to my, um, to my podcast as well. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm online everywhere. Uh, my, my company is Parenting for Connection and my podcast is Parenting Our Future. Fabulous. I will make sure that all those links are in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to get your hands on any of those things, head over to the show notes in your favorite podcast player, or you can go to tonycollis.com forward slash episode 61 and get all those links and get your hands on it all. Thank you so much, Robin, for being on the show. Have you any final thoughts that you feel like you need to share? (laughs) Oh, I, you know what? Raising a family is no joke. It is hard. It's hard. And I just want to say it again. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay. Drop the shame. Drop the story. It's okay. It's okay to ask for help. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I have really enjoyed this discussion. Thank you for having me, Tony. You are wonderful. I just loved every minute of that interview. I, I learned stuff and I'm not a mom. <laughs> um, there's so much synergy between showing up in a more meaningful and intentional way as a mother and that same piece in the workplace. And I hadn't actually appreciated that till now, despite the work I do, which as I mentioned in the discussion with Robin, often has an impact in the way my clients relate to their kids, to their partners, to their entire family and friends, actually. I think when we do this work, 
it has ramifications across every single aspect of who we are and what we do and how we show up. This was such a beautiful discussion. I, I truly hope that whether or not you're a mum, that you've had some takeaways from this, because I have. And I'd love to know what you think. Or as always, drop me a note. If you're listening to this in a podcast player, like drop a review. But you can also email me support at tonycollis.com. I'd love to hear or find me on various social channels. Just leaving you today with the fact that everything is a choice. And I think when we show up and realize that everything is a choice, including, (laughs) might not feel like it, but including whether or not you make the kiddos breakfast, that's a choice. It doesn't feel like it, but it is a choice. The moment we step into realizing that we have more choices than we realize, and that that's okay, I think is the moment that we begin to sparkle again, if you're not sparkling right now, or sparkle more if you are sparkling. Because we've moved from that place of thinking everything is against us to realizing I'm choosing this path and it's the right path for me. (laughs) Whatever choices that you are making today, give them the the credit that they deserve. You are making choices. And if you're listening to this and thinking, I'm not ready to go back to work or whatever it is, you're listening to this podcast for a bit of inspiration maybe, but you kind of feel that now is not the time, that's a choice. And I want you to feel good about that. I don't know if we discussed it in the recording or Robin and I were talking for a good hour before we hit record. <laughs> uh, but one of the things I have seen time and time again is that when we realize that we have choice, that suddenly things open up to us. And, and instead of feeling like we're trapped, we suddenly unstick very, very quickly simply because we accept that we are making a choice and that's okay anyway until next time remember to stay on your tech leisure game follow your dreams including having children (laughs) because the world does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech whenever you are ready for it bye for now If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.